Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as Word Whore. I write them, I talk them about internet, infosec, politics, media. I drink, I use bad words. All hail Eris, vive le poisson rouge sauvage. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Stilgarian. G'day, Steve. Look, it is so wonderful to meet you still. Can you tell me in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Look, name-wise, because my name is difficult, I just say still. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we're talking about what I do. I just say I, I do media stuff. Or sometimes <laughs> I just say, look, I'm a writer and journalist. Sometimes. Yeah. What about the other times? Uh, they're personal, Steve. And that's totally fine. Mm. I am, uh, well, I have read the reasons uh, around your name. Yeah. The 30 second highlights. Look, it's just something that happened when I was at university. <laughs> and there was, uh, look, a bunch of people. Uh, and out of that bunch of people, the name generated itself as a nickname. And mm-hmm. I decided to adopt it legal. we, legally. We're talking uh, more than 30 years ago now. Has it taken on its own meaning, given that it was a made-up word? No. Oddly enough, it's the only meaning it tends to have is when uh, bureaucrats say, oh, I can't deal with that, because it's, it's a mononym. It's just a name, a mm. given name without a surname. And some people's systems just can't cope with that even though it's a lot more common to have a mononym mm. than most people realise. Well, I would guess so. I mean, my I go instantly to the celebrity mononyms. Yep. Uh, but then most I, of the I, time they're stage names, right? They're not actually mm. the person's legal name. True. I haven't run across anyone other than yourself that right. is singularly named. Well, I will give you, and this number tends to blow people away, the mm. number of people in Australia with a mononym is around 13,500. Wow. I have, to, I, have to, I have to have a mononym now. I have to join that club. <laughs> I do know someone whose mononym was Mouse. Great. And, and then when people say, oh, we have to have a title to go with that, and he said, oh, no, 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 Mr. Mouse, that's just silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And uh, oh, hang it's on, Doctor Mouse. Yeah, Thank yeah, you very much. The, the Mouse. You know, I've been the Mulk for a time, uh, but anyway, that's about me and not about you. Yeah, look, most of the people who have a mononym are probably of Indonesian descent because mm-hmm. there's still so many parts of Indonesia, Java in particular, where uh, males in particular only have a mononym, and and President Sukarno and Suharto were both people with mononyms. Great. Mm. Look at this. We're learning things. We're learning together. Humans with Twitter, it's it's about everyone. And and it saves me, you know, the the difficulty of talking about myself. You know, I could divert the conversation into something else. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll ask this question still, if I may. In a crisis or an argument, are you fight or flight? Oh, fight. Ooh. <laughs> that was said very definitely, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I would think that anybody that's read some of your work or heard some of your uh, speaking through its various media, they'd probably agree. 
Oh, yeah. Um, and look, this goes back to oh, forever, basically, um, because I get frustrated I get frustrated by, by so many things, and I dare say we'll come to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, it's it it I, yeah. Well, I don't want to run away. If if I think I'm right, then I will stand my ground. Now that said, if someone then chucks me the piece of information which proves that I'm wrong, I will. I'll probably sulk a bit, but at least I'll very <laughs> gracefully accept that that I was wrong. I think that the – I'm going to say something bold, and I'd love your thoughts on this. Okay. The idea of adult sulking has been hijacked and is something that has been given a bad name because of that hijacking. Hijacked by who? By what? Primarily political commentators, the media, um, in that they tend to – when you call them out on things – they will sulk in the worst fashion. And I think that there's a place for good sulking. Look, yeah, yeah. I, I think when we're caught out, we we don't like it, right? I mean, that, why would you like being caught out? Sure. And politicians, politicians hate being caught out, I think, because part of their job is trying to sell you a message which may not necessarily be true, which may not necessarily be something that they believe in themselves, but they have to get on with their job. And when they're caught out, that hits them where it hurts. I'm yet to meet a politician that, in that I agree, when you catch them out or when they sort of recognise they've been caught out, that goes, oh, thank God. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen, right? And... Uh, you know that that that's one of the things that frustrates me. I suppose it's like no, if you if you're caught out, you know you're caught out, right? But mm. the the world of politics is one where that can't happen. You know, you're the junior minister. Uh, you you really have to sell the message. And when you're caught out with the the bad logic of that message, or presented with something along the lines of a fact, then you know what do you do? Your your job is to sell the message, but it's just been demonstrated that you are wrong. What do you mm. do? And they're, they're caught. Is that sulking, though? I, I don't know. Sulking is an interesting thing. Um, I don't know what more to say. There's never been a better time to be an Australian politician not getting caught out. They certainly <laughs> like they like dealing in absolutes. And, and I guess to some degree that's what politics is. You need to say these are the facts, this is the truth vote for us because our truth is the right truth. Yeah, and look, we saw a thing as we record this. Um, this is what, you know, early April. And mm -hmm. the Prime Minister was, of course, of telling us, you know, it's never been a more exciting time to do this. It's, you know, <laughs> agile this and uh, nimble that. And then a few weeks ago, there was some other thing where he had to speak and he never used any of those words. And I'm thinking, oh, have we dropped that now? Uh, has the poll said that people are reacting badly, that you've said it too often and now you're dropping it? I mean, did you believe that or didn't you believe that? We certainly synergised the language to... We've synergised it, have we? No. I just hear all of those words <laughs> together in a big word cloud of blare. Yeah, and... and uh, 
that comes in the list of things that frustrates me too, because I, I did study linguistics. I, I am fascinated by the way people use words to shift and, and shape meaning, but sometimes it's just ridiculous. What was school like for you still? Hmm. School was a combination of wonder and pain. And I'm going to <laughs> look the the wonder part first. When I got onto um, secondary school, high school, mm. I actually won a scholarship to one of Australia's elite private schools, even though I was a poor kid from the country. So mm. the wonder was having some teachers which were truly excellent. And at being encouraged to learn and being encouraged to go much further than what the syllabus said. But the, the, the horrible part of that is that I, I actually skipped a year in primary school. I did, I did year one, grade one and grade two in one year and went on. Mm-hmm. And that frustrated me because the grade, the grade one kids had all these toys to play with. <laughs> and, and that was kind of fun. Like I was bored by by what was happening in school and that's why they bumped mm. me up a year but there were all these toys and when I went bumped up to grade two I didn't <laughs> I didn't have these toys in the classroom and I was annoyed um but the fact that I was then a year younger than everyone else in my class throughout school meant that I was physically a year less well developed which mean I you know meant I became the target of bullying and mm. <sighs> Look, I, I I wasn't heavily physically bullied. I don't really remember much along those lines. But when when you get to an elite private school, the bullying is much more psychological, uh, mm. and and it is in a sense that probably has a more lasting effect. So um, even though I really enjoyed some of the things teachers uh, did for me during that secondary school period. I got an email the other day about the old scholars association and do you want to come to a significant reunion? No, fuck that off. I do, I do, I, I do not want to associate at all with any of those people ever again. I, I, I can completely understand that. There are always lots of feelings, particularly around reunions mm. for lots of people that, uh, yeah, no, I miss the oh, old game. Yeah. I want to and, see them. Or it's, it's everything, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's look. It's a long time ago now, and and I prefer to move on than dwell in the past. It it scared me a little bit. I recent oh recently in the last few years, I had a weird high schooling environment. Still, in that I started high school uh, in grade eight in Queensland, uh-huh. and we were at a new school, so they started us as the the first and only grade. And as we progressed through the school, so the school brought in grade, you know, the grade under us. So we were always the oldest kids at school. That's um, weird. It was it was very weird. It did a, a great thing broadly for us as a as a group. It, it built a real camaraderie. There was still the stupid, you know, growing up teenagery bullying, and he loves her and she doesn't love him, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, Which you don't I, you I, don't get that quite so much at an all boys school. <laughs> I mean, nope. you do obviously, well, but yes. But if when it does happen, it's hidden. Well, I would imagine so. Mm. I, I don't have that experience. Do you? What was your? Um, what was the gender integration that they gave to you guys at school so that you got used to air quotes being with girls? 
almost none. There was there was like I think an annual an annual formal, of course, wow. the formal event. And no, I don't remember there really being anything else. There might I, there might have been something in like the debating society, or or something like that. But certainly the the sports was all amongst the other male only schools around the place and yes. and then you got the whole kind oh there was a really terrible uh um angst between the protestant and the catholic schools and that <laughs> yes. and that lasted i i didn't go to any of those old collegian things later up for reasons explained but i know someone who did and even when these lads were in their 30s they're still going oh let's go out and smash some fucking catholic heads Oh what? My God, are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. It's it's, not... it's like the Middle Ages wow. never ended. Well, not not the Middle Ages. I'm getting my history wrong, but you know what I mean. Northern Ireland yeah. transmuted to Australia. Yeah, I can't get over that. And that's like we're not talking, you know, 1920 something. No, no, no. We're talking the the 1970s, and there was still a a big schism for i suppose between the protestant and catholic schools luther would be rolling in his proverbial grave Mm. where is the line between public and private for you privacy who i mean i i'm obviously very public in some of the things i do but Mm -hmm. um those traditional things that are about private life are private uh friendships relationships um, like who I'm having dinner with even. I mean, I, I tweet so many things, but if I'm having dinner with someone, then I, the furthest I'll tweet with that is that I'm having dinner in Sydney. Mm-hmm. I won't say who. I mean, that's someone else's privacy in that as well. Um, it's very traditional, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I can't think of anything more to say than that. It, it, it's a great... It's a great dichotomy, isn't it? Given that, you know, and I appreciate and respect your desire for privacy around some things. Yet in others, it's like here is everything that I do and am. Oh, absolutely! And and people have said, "Well, hang on, you you tweet what train you're on? You tweet, you know, your <laughs> flight numbers for the airlines." And and part of it is, well, yeah, but that only affects me. That doesn't affect anyone else. Um, if someone really wished to do me harm, they could soon figure out what train I was on anyway. Mm. Um, and I actually did a blog post about this once because someone said, oh, how can you tweet so much about your personal life? And I thought, well, hang on. There's, there's only a few ways in which things can happen badly there. And they're, they're going to happen by accident or by the fact that someone really wants to do me harm. Now, it's, if it's by accident, that's purely about where I am. I, I was stupid and drunk and went down the wrong alleyway late at night. And that's not mm. about who I am. That's I just happened to be the bloke who went down the alleyway and got mugged. So let's count that out. If it's someone who wishes to do me harm, they're either an amateur or a professional. If they're an amateur... Yes. They've probably given away a clue beforehand because they've been abusive to me or whatever it might be. If they're a professional, I won't know about it. Yep. So I'd rather just get on with my life. And I find the the benefits of it outweigh the potential risks. And, and I've had people say, oh, I see you're having lunch at a certain place. I'll be near there. Shall I join you for a drink afterwards? And that's great. Now... I always stress to people that is my kind of decision. 
And mm. I completely accept that for someone else, and especially for women, this is not how the equation will work. Yeah. Gosh, it's such a minefield, particularly involving uh, women because of the the broader implications of this safety and bloody society and man. Oh yeah, holy... exactly. When oh, yeah. when someone has tweeted where they their kids go, and another occasion, you know, they're picking them up from school or they tweet that they're running late, and somewhere else they've mentioned that their kids are called Jessica and Brian. Brian's not mm. a very modern name, is it? But Jessica and Dwayne. <laughs> Jessica and Apple. Yeah. Oh dear. But you know, that that is a thing. And and yeah. and although that kind of creepy take away your kids thing is very rare, it's also very scary and and very easy to do when people are, are revealing so much about their private lives. Do you think or do you know? if you've made, and I don't mean this in the darker sense, but if you've made any enemies? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, please. I'm, I'm pausing because I'm not actually sure how much of this I can talk about. Uh, but there was a period when uh, protective measures were needed. I, I'm really, really struggling here because some of this officially never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, That's okay. We, we don't have to talk about it if it's if there's stuff around it. Yeah, look, um, uh, all I'll say is that a, a friend of mine worked for uh, the army in certain ways and I got caught up in something in his world. Oh, look, the phone's ringing. I'll just get rid of that. Uh, how do you... Oh, dear. There we it's go. the federal police. <laughs> if, if that's the case, then that was the most efficient they've ever been in the history of the federal police. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he didn't mention the T word once yet. The T word? Terrorism. Oh, no, no, no. None of this involved terrorism. It was before we had terrorism. And now we'd like to welcome the federal police to the podcast. (laughs) They know who I am. (laughs) Still, what can't you tolerate? Um, Stupid people. Um, No, people who are willingly stupid. Mm. Um, Which I suppose means... I know we know what that means, but also the um, people who are hypocrites, uh, and I suppose that that includes a lot of politicians in that. Um, but it, to me, all of that comes together in a, in a lack of honesty, and I, mm-hmm. I suppose that uh, you know, in some ways, where politicians ignore the truth where there's something out there when there's very clear statistics and we mentioned terrorism just then actually now that i think about it so much of the discussion around terrorism annoys the shit out of me because Mm -hmm. we're we're presented supposedly with this massive risk and in fact it's tiny like the chances of any australian becoming a victim of terrorism are so so small 
that we should not be focusing on that. Like mm. far more common things which will kill Australians, drowning in their own bathtubs, falling down a spiral staircase in their home, obvious stuff Very like, specific. you know, being killed in a car crash or whatever it might mm. be. All those things are far more common. More women have been killed in domestic violence incidents over the last years than anyone in terrorism. Yeah. And yet we're spending billions of dollars against the terrorists. Now, you can argue that it's by spending those billions of dollars that we have not been affected by terrorism, and that's great. Like, perhaps that's true. But because all of that gets wrapped up in secret squirrel bullshit, that we're not actually seeing the numbers. Like, where is the risk analysis? Where, and that, you can tell this frustrates me, can't you? Because it's, <laughs> it's coming up in my voice. Like, we're not being given honest answers about this. And mm. look, I am willing to accept that terrorism is the, the mortal threat to all Australians if you show me the numbers. But we're not being shown the numbers. Do, do you think one of the reasons we're not being told the truth mm. is because either the media won't be able to process it to deliver it to us oh, yeah. in that it'll blow up and they'll make it something that it's not or, and or that the broader public, it, everything has just become so base and black and white that there is very little nuance in a lot of people's understandings these days. Indeed. And not long ago, we had the bombings in Brussels and, mm a significant commentator in Europe, uh, and I forget who, but he's, he's listed as a philosopher and, and writer. And he said, quote, or paraphrase his quote, that Europe was not only at war, it was at a general war. And I thought, you know, within a living memory, there was a general war in Europe. And, and I seem to remember it was a bit bigger than that. You know, it was a bit bigger yeah. than a few dozens of people killed in one city. I seem to remember that General War killed 20 million people in Europe. And, mm. you know, where are we going to go with language once we actually get to that, right? Once we actually get beyond a few dozen, a few hundred people killed, and we're already calling that a general war in Europe, where do we go from there? I wish I had answers. Yeah, there are no answers, Steve. I mean, it's just, it actually worries me that we are getting to the point where we don't have anyone with living memory of what a real general war or global war was about. And now we're mm -hmm. running around uh, like headless chickens because, for example, with the, the Martin Place thing, because one bloke with a gun caused some problems in a place, and sure, some people died. Yes. I, I don't wish to uh, minimise the importance of that whatsoever. But in the grand scale of things, you know, that was one nut job who the authorities failed to keep track of. Um, let's let's try and keep this in perspective a bit, and certainly um, commemorate that event and and sympathise mm -hmm. with the the families of the victims. But you know, let's keep this stuff in perspective. Yeah, well, reclaim Australia. Huh. Don't and don't want to have perspective, or don't see that as perspective. They see that as causation. Yeah, they? well, they're just a bunch of dumb fuck Nazis. So you know, really, what do you what do you do? Yes, mm. what do you do? Gosh, deport them. 
go back to where they came and, from. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And and yet, in a, in a country with freedom of speech, that even assholes get to have their say. Yeah. Even assholes like us. Yeah, absolutely. What's the hardest truth you've had to deliver? Phoning someone up at two o'clock in the morning and making the phone call which they knew meant their son was dead. Ouch. That's very hard, I would imagine. Um, you know, I don't recommend it as a fun activity. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this was um, a good friend of mine who had, uh, in fact, committed suicide at my house. Uh, but when the paramedics came, they got a pulse back. He'd hanged himself. And when the paramedics came... To everyone's surprise, like they got a pulse. So yeah. chuck him in the truck, take him to the hospital. And at two o'clock in the morning or thereabouts, someone from the hospital phoned me to ask for a phone number of next of kin. And I thought, yeah, I know what that means. And I said, can you tell me what's going on? And he said, I can't tell you what's going on because of medical confidentiality. And I thought, that's right. I'm not next of kin. So I said... I know what this phone calls mean and you know, these phone calls mean and bugger you, you are not making this phone call at two o'clock in the morning. Give me your name. Give me your number. I will make the phone call and get them to call you back. Wow. And the family in question was an old school uh, military and Navy family. So when I phone at two o'clock in the morning and it's me calling and I just said, it's, so-and-so's name there's been an incident you need to call this number now we all know what that code means not oh, fun man no that as an understatement mm. um that how, how did you process that grief because you're obviously friendly with the person one of my best friends yes um i was pretty messed up for quite some time and uh, uh, I don't know whether my medico formally diagnosed that as post-traumatic stress disorder, but all of the things that you associate that were happening. It's 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 all it's such a blood under the bridge thing, now. As, as oh, I'm sure, yes. Um, it's 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 a it's a while ago now. It's actually oh, good heavens, later this year. It's twenty years ago. Oh, gee. Um, but. Yeah, there, it was not a fun time. Um, I feel apart. There was a significant period where I couldn't work. Mm -hmm. I, um, I can completely and, understand and, that. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think people realise how much the secondary effects of those traumatic incidents can affect people. Uh, and, and, and that's why I have... So much for anyone in emergency services, ambulance crews, uh, emergency ward um, doctors yeah. and nurses, um, people who work for organisations like uh, Médecins France, uh, Doctors Without Borders, um, yep. and and all of that, you know, they're people who are facing that constantly. And I think, wow, it, it messed me up just dealing with one incident. I I just can't imagine what it would be like for someone dealing with that constantly. Do, do you think we've gotten better as a as a broader people in acknowledging and and dealing 
or, or helping people with with these kinds of uh, issues? Look, a little bit, um, and I say only a little bit because there still is, um, and particularly with men, that sense of soldiering on, and, mm. you know, and and when you're dealing in the military, um. I can see that there's a sense of, oh, you know, there's all this help available. But you're, if, if you reach out for that help, then you're showing a sign of weakness. And I know that within the military in particular, there's a fear that if you actually formally are diagnosed with some particular uh, mental illness and post-traumatic stress is one, depression is another, et cetera, et cetera, then you might lose your security clearance, which means you might not be able to do the job that you love. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a lot of incentive to hide this stuff. And I, I don't know how you're ever going to get around that. That's so a big what... pause. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh. just... It's just, it, yeah, there's a lot attached to all of that. Oh, absolutely. And, and there are people out there every day dealing with that on, behalf, on our behalf, uh, which, which I suppose frustrates me again about all this talk of stopping the boats. I'm thinking, yeah, you say stop the boats, and it's all very easy in Canberra to say that. But do you realise what that actually means in terms of a boarding party on a naval ship or a border uh, custom ship boarding some other boat and dealing with a whole bunch of screaming men and women and children. And, you know, God damn it, you people, if you're going to order people to do that, work out what it actually means, you know, visualize it properly. It's, it's, I don't know how you can ask people to do that. It's brutal. Absolutely. In the midst of this, then, what is a source of strength for you? I, I knew this question I was, was going to come up, and, and I was going to say gin. <laughs> because the humorous response deflects from the reality of the question. I don't know. Mm. I don't actually have anything that fulfills that role. And that is, that is something that worries me. I, look, I don't know. I really don't know. That's okay. You're not the first person to not know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's tough sometimes. What makes you smile still? The world. The world. I, I smile and laugh at the world. Um, I, I have a particular, <laughs> a particularly dark sense of humour, as you may have guessed by now. Yeah. Um, but I I I really do enjoy just seeing people out enjoying the world, kids having fun, rowdy kids on the train. You know, other people will go, oh, why can't they shut that kid up? I, I go, wow, look at that kid at the end of the day and and they're still going and their mother is with them and she's looking pretty tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might appreciate it still because you're not going home with that child. Well, that's right. That's right. And I, look, I don't know how parents do it, um, but... I will then find myself sympathising, and I, I've ended up having some some great conversations with parents on that premise that their kids mm. going berserk on the train, and they just you know they just want to get home and, and go to bed. Um, 
look, I I do love that. I I enjoy the the ironies that the world offers. I I do laugh in the 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 case of adversity. Uh, I remember my friend. Uh, who committed suicide just before, I remember actually going to his funeral. And, and mm. this is an example of the things that I just laugh at, that yeah. a few friends, we we went out here in a car and we happened to we happened to get to the um, uh, the burial ground. What do you call them? Uh, graveyard. Cemetery. Cemetery, thank you. Uh, before the, uh, the, the procession of the hearse and whatever. And uh, one of my friends, oh, we're here before they are. And I said, yeah, well, a hearse doesn't hoon along at 100 kilometres an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, of course, we're there first. And at which point he said, oh, we've got time for a couple of cones then. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it pulls out a pipe. And, <laughs> and I thought, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I thought that, that really sums it up very much, really, you know. Oh, dear. And it was that uh, that little moment there and, and just silliness like that in the face of adversity that I love. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Oh, I knew this one was coming up too. Um <laughs> I, my main achievement will be to sort out the mess that is my finances and my working life. Mm. Um, I have, I'll be honest and say that I've, I've let uh, such issues um, linger for a while. Uh, the Australian Taxation Office has sent me a, a very polite uh, letter, really quite an <laughs> endearing letter. Uh, which says that should it uh, should it not be too much trouble, uh, would I mind filing some tax returns, and then uh, should it fit in with my plans to perhaps pay some tax? Uh, and, uh, dear Mister Harriet, yeah, <laughs> that happens here. Um, and, and I thought all of, it was very festive, what with all of the red ink and stuff on it. So. <laughs> Politely, we request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, look, it's all it's all done very well and efficiently. But that is something I'd like to sort out. And uh, just my life has become too complicated over the last. Week. I'm doing too many different things. You know, mm. I'm I'm writing freelance for a number of places. I've sort of been doing some podcasts. I'm still doing some systems administration and website development for a few people. Uh, and there's a few other things in the mix and i know that in these modern times we're meant to have a portfolio of work um yes but no it's it's got out of hand a bit and uh also um my the fact that i live up in the blue mountains um was something that was really only be to really intended to be a temporary thing for a few weeks and that's sort of gone for five years now and (laughs) It was one of those. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you oh, you have to leave that place in Enmore in Sydney's inner west. Well, yeah. Look, we have this deal you can do if you don't mind staying up here. We can give you free accommodation in return if you don't mind doing a chore occasionally. And I thought, oh yeah, that sounds all right for a couple of weeks. And like, you know, five years later, <laughs> uh, it's still there. Now, it, it was a win-win deal for all of us, but 
that time is coming to an end uh, just because we knew it had a certain uh, sunset time to it mm. and and it's getting to the point where I really should do something about it except Sydney has now become so outrageously expensive to live in um, so well, I've, I've got that decision there I can probably go anywhere and do anything so all of those uncertainties that's what I've got to deal with over the next 12 months and also some health things so that's there's no clear goals except to clarify all that and and to simplify my world it sounds like you could benefit in part from like some ad hoc personal assistant kind of work as in someone helping you sort that stuff out uh possibly but then you'd have to pay them well we we do live in a you know, kind of commercial society. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm very much of the opinion that people should be paid for the work that they do. Mm. So, um, well, look, we'll see how that turns out. Hey, still, thank you so much for the chance to chat with you today. It has been really wonderful. Uh, my pleasure, Steve. Please note the things that you said today are very special and that you're highly valued. I really appreciate our time together. Look, and thank you. And I want to say this point, your little benediction to the people you talk to in each episode of this podcast, I really like it. Thank you. It, I feel it's important for the people that I speak with to know that I absolutely value them, their time and, and the things that they've shared, because often it's very personal, as you've shared today. And, and look, it is... It is an enjoyable process, and I enjoy listening to the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's of mutual benefit. Well, thank you. It's reasonable at this juncture to uh, just encourage people that if still or I've said anything today, particularly around the issues of suicide or PTSD, uh, feel free to reach out to those around you. Uh, there are professional organisations like Lifeline that you can call uh, that will also help help you and talk with you about what your options are and, and talk with you about what what how you can get help if, if that's something that's required so please don't hesitate uh, to, to talk to people you're not in this alone by any stretch absolutely I'll, I'll second that because one of the the things that you always deal with in these situations is you, that you're there alone and can't cope with it and there is no weakness there is no negative fact in saying hey I'm having trouble here yeah, absolutely. Mm. Still, you're very clearly on Twitter. Are there yes. any other social accounts that you want to admit, nay, even promote? <laughs> promote. I'm not sure about promote. I, I, my name is globally unique, uh, so I'm easy to find. Uh, I do post random crap at Instagram. Uh, I am one of these terrible people who puts <laughs> photographs of their food on there. Uh I I do put photographs on Flickr. I don't consider that to be a social network as such as just a, a photographic storage thing. And I have my own website at stillgarian.com. We have barely scraped the surface still. I look forward to future conversations with you both on and off the record. That'd be wonderful. Thanks, Steve. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Stillgarian is indeed human. Sort of. Mostly. <laughs>